Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Yeah! I know. I feel like we could just watch that two or three more times and go home. It'd be a good sermon. Um, so we're starting a brand new series of messages today called Worth the Wait. Because we're turning into a season now of anticipation. We're turning into a season now where we're, 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 we're anticipating something. We're waiting for the advent of the Messiah. We're getting excited for Christmas. We're turning into to that moment. And I have to lead out on this in a way and sort of just, just confess to all of you. I hate waiting. I just hate to wait. I'm the most impatient pastor you've ever come across, and I know if you're new, that might like shatter your image of me, because maybe you think pastors are supposed to be all like calm and peaceful, and we're so just so at peace, we just levitate from time to time, because we're just so, so zenned out and perfectly in line with God, and it just, like it, and it just doesn't, I, I don't, I hate to wait, I'm very, very impatient, and I was reminded of a, an experience I had recently at the McDonald's drive-thru, uh, because I was picking up dinner for my family, and we believe in fine dining. And so I was, you know, uh, at the deal. And you know how this works. You pay at the first window, and then you pull up to the second window. And I'm at the second window, and uh, my order is ready. Like, I have the, 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 the girl at the, at the counter uh, gives me the drink tray. And so I got that on the passenger seat, and my food is right there. It's in the bag, it's been sealed, and I'm close enough that I can read the receipt and I can see that that's my order, but she's not handing it to me because she's not paying attention. She's talking to a friend or, or a coworker, and I can hear what she's saying, and she's, she's talking, forgive me, do you, do you, does anyone here, do you know a, a young person, like a teenager or someone in their early 20s, who adds an extra syllable onto the end of a word every once in a while where it doesn't belong? So she's like, I'm listening to her, and she's like, no, uh, oh, my God, uh, that's so bad. Uh, and I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm going to choke you. I'm going to choke you. And it's not because my food is late. I'm going to choke you to spare humanity from ever having to hear that. So if you know somebody who talks like that, you can choke them, but you, if you know somebody who talks like that, have a word with them and help them to understand, like, they're not doing good in the world with, with that. Now, in this moment where I'm just so irritated because she's not giving me my food, I'm not in a particular hurry. I don't have any place to race to. There's no clock ticking on me. I'm not even worried the fries are going to get cold. The fries aren't even going to make it home. You know how that works. I'm just waiting. I'm just irritated. Look, look, look. I'm just irritated because I have to wait. I don't want to wait. I want, I want it to happen now. It's part of the pathology within me that, that is triggered by slow drivers. You know, uh, if I'm trapped behind someone driving needlessly slow, it's not necessarily that I'm even in a big hurry or that I'm racing to get somewhere. I just don't like to have to wait for other things or other people. I want to do what I'm doing and get where I'm going. I probably need therapy. I definitely need therapy. But it's, it's, it's my deal. So waiting. Nobody likes to wait, but this is where we find ourselves. From time to time, we have to wait for things. And at any given moment, we're all waiting 
for something. One of the worst environments you might find yourself on on the planet is in a waiting room. Waiting rooms are the worst places on the planet, right? Waiting rooms are not nice. Nobody goes and hangs out in waiting rooms when they don't have to wait for something. Waiting room is where you go if you have to meet somebody who sees a lot of people, somebody presumably who has a service or a skill that you need, uh, a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, some such thing. These places have offices where there are waiting rooms. A waiting room is a place where you sit in an, in an uncomfortable chair, uncomfortably close to strangers and their children. And there's a TV on that has something on that you have no interest in. And there are magazines on the table that you will never read or, be, or even want to glance at. And you just sort of sit there until the person who has obviously forgotten that you had an appointment is ready to see you. And you just wait and you wait and you wait. And sometimes it starts to feel like you've been forgotten. And sometimes you wonder, like... If I clear my throat, if I sigh discontentedly, if I make myself known to the person behind the glass, do I, it, it, at how, how long past my appointment time is it appropriate for me to go up and just say, hey, I'm just checking in? We ask, we ask questions like that when, they're in the, when we're in the waiting room because there are times it feels like we've been forgotten. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're just waiting on something in your life and it feels maybe like God forgot you? Like you're just in the, you're trapped in the in-between. Trapped in the not yet. Hovering. Waiting for something to resolve. So that you can finally move on. It's awful. Terrible to wait like that, especially when you get the sensation that maybe God has quit paying attention or that maybe you have somehow slipped off of God's radar. We all wait for things. We're all waiting more than ever now, right? Because we have, well, we have, we have supply chain issues in our country, don't we? Right? You've seen this. It's impossible to get supplies for things. Uh, if you're doing your Christmas shopping, do it early because there are, right now, uh, you, you're, you, you, many of you know this, there are container ships right now backed up in the harbors because we don't have crane operators to offload them. When they get offloaded, the containers have nowhere to go because we, we're, there's a truck driver shortage right now. Like, and this, this has a cascading effect throughout the economy to right down to where you and I live and breathe and operate. So when you go to the store, the thing you need isn't at the store. Or when you go to the restaurant, you have to wait for a really long time to be seated and or to get your food. And so what's happening now, as I observe Long Island, and tell me if you disagree, but as I observe Long Island, everybody's a little extra stressed out. And it's almost worse than it was the last year. Everyone was really stressed out because it was just it was just COVID shut down. But we all sort of knew the rules last year. Now we're not even sure we know the rules anymore. So everybody is entering entering into this season with their with their nerves a little frayed out. Everyone's entering this season a little extra stressed, and that is a bad way to enter December. This is a this is a month that has a way of stressing us out anyway. So we're all in this. We're hovering between this almost and not yet. We're waiting for things. We want things to happen in our lives. We're waiting for situations to resolve. And it has been that way since the beginning of Christmas. It's been that way since right in the beginning. 
And if you come to church here each year, you know, each year we touch on, I at least feel compelled to touch on the story of Mary and Joseph and the dynamics that took place. We're not going to go do a deep dive into that this morning. But if you're new to church and it's never occurred to you, you know, Mary's job in this thing was not easy. Mary is a, a teenager by all accounts, and she's visited by an angel, and she's told, blessed are you and highly favored and all that, and you're going you're gonna to be the mother of God's incarnate son. You're going to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, Mary at this point is engaged. She's engaged to a man named Joseph. So as Mary, however she was able to process that information, begins to process that information, she's thinking to herself, okay, if I'm the mother surely there's going to be a father. And if there's going to be a father, surely it's going to be my fiancé, Joseph. And this will be something we do together. And the angel sort of preempts wherever that thought train was about to go and says, yeah, no, that's not how it's going to go. You're actually already pregnant now. So now this poor kid has to go have a conversation with her fiancé. And she has to sit down and look him in the eye and she has to relay this story of how an angel came to her and gave her glad tidings. And now she's pregnant. And can you just, if it's never occurred to you before, could you just for a minute think of how that landed on Joseph? Because he's looking into the eyes of a woman that he loves and, and surely... His first thought was incredulity. His first thought was, whatever, I'm so sure, an angel. Really? Seriously, Mary? But I have a feeling something else happened. And I don't know this for sure, because it's not in the scriptures. But I really think I might be right about this. I think Joseph, the scriptures tell us that Joseph was prepared to divorce Mary quietly. The word divorce is appropriate here, because betrothal in the first century, or engagement in the first century was a really big deal. It was a legal thing. It wasn't like today where an engage breaking off an engagement today is still a big deal, but it's not a legal thing. Betrothal was a, legal, a legally binding thing in the first century, so it says that Joseph was prepared to divorce her quietly. And as we understand that word, what Joseph is going to do is step away from her. Initially, it would seem, because, well, obviously, Mary's been unfaithful, but... <sighs> From his perspective, Mary's been unfaithful. But I think there was something else going on, too. I think Joseph knew Mary, understood her, and I, I think there's a good chance Joseph could tell when she's lying. So now Joseph is looking into the eyes of the woman he loves and listening to her recount this story. And Joseph, I think at some base level, is able to say, she's not lying to me right now. She really believes this crazy story. I think maybe Mary is slipping mentally. Or maybe Mary did some things that she show, so regrets that she's now concocting this alternate story of what happened. One way or the other, Joseph is just, I'm out. Later that night, of course, Joseph is visited by an angel, and, and the angel says to him, Joseph, no, 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 stay in your lane, this is from God. And Joseph then comes back to Mary and says, an angel came to visit me, I, I'm so sorry I doubted you, I'm with it, I'm in, we're going to do this together. To which Mary must have replied, oh, thank God. Because an unwed mother in the first century was a scandal, and now this is what they face. 
Because Mary is not married but pregnant, and that is a big, big deal. So wherever she goes, there are whispers, and people spit, and they shoot her dirty looks, and they talk about her. And Joseph makes as far as we can see in the scriptures, makes no claim to parentage. He doesn't claim that the child is his. He doesn't claim that the child is not his. He just stays in his lane and stays by Mary. So he looks like an idiot. All of Joseph's friends are like, dude, you can't do this. You can't stay with her. She's not pure. She ran around on you. Their friends and acquaintances and family members get drawn down into two categories. Those who believe them and those who don't. So now wherever they go, there's, there's just stress, and they feel judged, and, 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 and there are people whispering about them and spreading. Have you, ever, have you ever just felt judged? You got, anybody, anybody got some haters in their life? Let me see your hands. You got, you got a few haters? Some of you had Thanksgiving dinner this week with some haters, <laughs> right? Because you're related to some haters. You got some, you got... Relators, haters, there's, there's a word in there somewhere. You're relators. <laughs> Maybe, okay, never mind. There's some haters in your life. There's some people that love to look down on you, that never want to let you forget your worst moments, that want to make sure you're reminded of how you've screwed up in your past or have subtle, unspoken, or, or spoken ways of just letting you know that you're a little bit inferior. You're just a little bit further down the food chain in terms of importance. And that kind of stuff has a way of gnawing away at our soul. I read something this year I had never seen before. I mean, you think you've seen all of it. Like as a pastor, you read these verses every year. Every Christmas I'm talking about the same. I read the same stuff. I read this year. There is at least one major biblical scholar who believes that Mary did not have to go with Joseph to Bethlehem. So if you know the story, you know Jesus is born in Bethlehem because there's a census, and everybody has to return to their hometown, the town of their uh, paternal origin, and Joseph is descended from King David. Bethlehem is the city of King David, so Joseph has to go to Bethlehem for the census. But there's at least one biblical scholar who believes that because Mary wasn't actually married to Joseph at that point, and because she was nine months pregnant, Mary could have stayed home for the journey. But she went with Joseph to escape the scandal, to get away from the hate, to get away from all the judgment, to get away from all the people that were whispering to her and whispering about her, and to stay with the one person she knew believed her. And believed in her. So now Mary and Joseph come into this season and they're just waiting and waiting and waiting. Waiting for the baby to come. Waiting for things to be put right. Waiting for them to be able to start this new chapter. Waiting for the day when the hate stops. Waiting for the day when people stop, stop judging them. Waiting for the day when they can finally put this behind them and move on. And it's taking forever. And if you've ever had something in your life that seems to be taking forever, you know just how they felt. We're going to turn to some scripture now, and I want to warn you on the front end. We're, not, I'm not we're going to the deep end of the pool today. I'm not taking you to the Gospels. We're not going to open up Luke. We're not going to read the nice bucolic passages about the, the journey. We're going to go to, we're going to talk 
from Paul's letter to the church in Rome where it talks about how all creation is groaning in anticipation of some correction that's coming. This is the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 18. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. <clears throat> Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared... That's a, that's a scary first half of a sentence. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to... You might think we're going to go to what we're going to suffer later. No, no, no. That's not where it ends. The sentence ends differently. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal. So when do we suffer? Now. We suffer now. Now we're in the waiting room. Now we're in the not yet. Now we have hate. We have judgment. We have unresolved issues. There's things we wish that were different. Things are not right now. But a correction is coming. God is going to reveal things. Information is coming that's going to shed new light on the things that we suffer. There's a correction coming in things. And all of earth is waiting for it. Next verse. Against its will, all, this is verse 20, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. That's a reference to the fall of man. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. All creation is groaning. The world, the globe itself is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And you don't even have to be a believer for that to make sense. All you have to do is glance at the state of the world right now to see something's not right. This is not how it was supposed to be. We are somehow trapped in some terrible moment between a promise and a payoff. We're trapped in some terrible moment between a promise and a delivery. We're all in the waiting room. And all of creation is waiting for a time when God will set things right. The world itself groans in anticipation of that moment. Waiting and waiting and waiting, and so are we, waiting. Verse 23, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering we, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. Ah, the new bodies he's promised us. Let's talk about that for a minute. Did you know that heaven is not going to be a place where you float on a cloud with a harp and a halo? We don't think about heaven enough. We need to revisit this. This is not about, you know, heaven for many people in their mind is like this ethereal place where there's floating and, and like, 
you know, elevator music, and it's just sort of boring, and that's not heaven. Heaven is going to be cooler than you could possibly fathom, but clearly, demonstrably, from the scriptures, we have physical bodies, new bodies, bodies that, that look the way a body is supposed to look. The perfect image of how your body is supposed to look is the body you're going to have in heaven. Is anybody besides me excited about that? Yeah. Now, before you start daydreaming about how sexy you're going to look in heaven, <laughs> next verse. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope. We already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. I don't know how good I'm going to be at waiting patiently and confidently. I struggle with having patience, and sometimes I struggle with having confidence. And there are doubts that creep in when I'm left in the waiting room for so long. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that the waiting room is the place you're most likely to wonder if God is real? Have you noticed that the waiting room is the place where you're most likely to wonder if God is good? Have you noticed that the waiting room is the place where you're most likely to wonder if God sees you at all or if he's simply forgotten you? What are you waiting for today? Are you waiting for a baby? Are you waiting for the day when you'll be waiting for a baby? Are you waiting for a job that you don't absolutely hate? Are you waiting for any job? Are you waiting for the day when the cancer finally heads into remission? Are you waiting for the day when this medical trial that you're in, this travail that you suffer, will finally see clear skies? Are you waiting for the test results? Are you waiting for something that's been robbing you of sleep? Are you waiting for the day when you finally reconcile with your children or your brother or your sister? Is there a judge somewhere or a court somewhere that must adjudicate over a situation that's going to affect your life? Is there a financial reality that is crushing you? What are you waiting for today? And can you wait with patience and confidence? That, loved ones, will require faith. That, loved ones, will require the belief that there is a God who loves you and who is good, who sees your situation, who understands where you are, and has, in fact, not forgotten about you. A God who does, in fact, love you and sees you and who is going to set things right. God's answer to all of that is coming. Be here in just a few weeks. But for now... We wait, and it's on me and it's on you to do what we can to wait with patience and confidence.
to stretch our faith and put our belief in God who loves us and sees us even in the waiting room. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of your lives. And we're going to be talking about this a lot more in the next coming weeks. Hope to see you back here next Sunday. With that, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the scriptures which whisper to us, which remind us that we're not alone. Thank you, Father, for this truth that we're not alone. As alone as we can feel in the waiting room, as horrible as it feels to not have answers and not know where things are headed, we're grateful, Father, that we're not alone. And we're praying for confidence and we're praying for faith. Create faith within us to believe that answers are coming, that you see us, and that we're headed that way. Lord, it's just so easy to doubt in these moments. It's so easy to wonder if you're there. Remind us that you're there. Fill us with the faith that Mary and Joseph had to push through and persevere and get to the place you're taking us to. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.